Hewler and Motes are on the air. This is the Steelers Blitz on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR, Steelers Nation Radio. What's going on, Steelers Nation Radio? It is high noon on a Wednesday afternoon. That can only mean one thing. It's time to go inside the electric factory here on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. Just Euler today. No Motes. That Arthur Motes, I tell you what, he's making a habit of taking these Wednesdays off. No Motesy today, but you got me rocking and rolling. You know the drill. I've brought some friends. We'll hear from our buddy Chris Carter. We'll play uh, Ben's press conference from just moments ago and discuss some of that today. We got plenty going on. All right, so you know where to get at me if you want to get involved here on the Steelers Blitz. You can tweet me at Wesley Euler. I will get to your questions, comments, concerns, and reactions as we roll along today. We have got plenty to get to. Still doing some looking back to the Bengals game on Sunday and, and maybe some looking ahead to Green Bay this weekend as well. Wanted to begin with a conversation with our friend, our good friend, Chris Carter. If you're a loyal SNR listener here, you've heard plenty of Chris's work before. Uh, he was on here with us all the time during training camp. He does the Locked on Steelers podcast. He's on WPXI showing his face off on TV from time to time. He's all over the place. Chris Carter joining me now to talk a little Stellar's football. CC, how we doing, cousin? I'm all right, Wes. I'm all right. I'm out here uh, jamming to the tunes that you give me some intro music for, so I appreciate you. Yeah, I had, to, th- I had to throw it back a little bit today. You know, I feel like I've been going with a lot of Kanye lately. I had to throw it back a little bit. <laughs> little little flavor in your ear for Chris Carter. Buddy, let's get right into it because there's certainly plenty that I want to discuss with you from yesterday. Uh, let me start with this. Sure. How surprised were you by how yesterday's game played out? Um, not. I will say I'm surprised at – I was surprised that Ben Roethlisberger looked as lost as he did. I'm not surprised by the offensive line not being together. I'm not surprised that the defense had such a hard time getting a pass rush with Highsmith and Watt and Alulu and Two. It's still all gone. Um, those parts were surprising. I, I did think that at some point Ben Roethlisberger, not that he'd be elite, but that he'd be able to sit there and be like, hey, guys, let's focus in. Let's do the, the, the couple things that we are good at, and let's get our let's get our defense to lead. And uh, they didn't do that, Wes. They did <laughs> not do that. Um, and I, it's something that I keep bringing up that I think people are, are you know kind of dismiss the deal because they're just kind of just glossing over the win and just being like it, you know with the general it stinks uh, stamp. But I just I I love the fact that they targeted Najee so much because I think that's a huge part of what needs to open this offense up. But why did they wait? until the fifth drive of the game to do it. Because you had all those drives struggling early on. It's the easiest thing for me. He loves to check down right now. It it, it would give him a sense of confidence to boost things forward and the whole offensive sense of confidence. And you saw as soon as they started doing it, they didn't didn't target him once to the fifth drive, which is their only touchdown of the game. They targeted him, I think, three times in that drive. He got all three. And I think he had 56 all-purpose yards on that drive. And it resulted in a touchdown. I don't know why that wasn't the plan early. And I think what I think is also alarming is that 
when that started to happen, you saw the Bengals start to creep up on a little more. The counter to throwing to Najee underneath like that is to hit them over the top when they start to do that. And you didn't yep. see Ben do it one time during the game, and that's what's really alarming here, way. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that completely. Hey, the one time they did do it, right, the, the play was blown dead because Mike Hilton was off sides. <laughs> oh, the cruel irony. Chris, I, I think you touched on it there, though. Like, that's what worries me the most. I the, the optimism that we had for this team, right, and I think particularly even after that win up in Buffalo, was like, hey, the defense will lead the way, and, and the offense, they'll get better, they'll figure it out, this thing will grow, we just need the defense to lead the way and keep them in games early on. But, buddy, it's like it's, it's, the, it's gone the opposite way. They've regressed on offense since the Buffalo game. They, they really have, and that's alarming. Um, you know, I thought what's crazy is, you know, part of this is also the, in the in the Buffalo game, there was never a sense that, man, we got to stand up for our defense right now because they're going through it. Right. They, they were, they, they had the sense the entire time. They're like, hey, they're doing it. The defense is healthy. They're kicking butt. You know, all we got to do is put a couple of scores together and we got a chance to win this game. You know, but against, in these last two games, when you knew T.J. Watt was out and then you lost Highsmith and then you lost Lulu and, you now you're, and you're already missing Hayden and Bush in that second game. You know, that was uh, that was kind of like a, hey, we got to do something, and they didn't. And, uh, you know, I, I think that, I think really right now, this is the most lost, the most lost I've ever seen Ben Roethlisberger in an offense. You know, usually there's something that he can rely on. Usually there's something that he can do that will that, that he can check to and be like, you know what, I'm going to go to this guy. You know what, we're going to break things open here, and then we're going to – but the only thing he had was throwing it to Najee underneath, which I think is a good weapon. But, you know, it's like it's like he couldn't find a way to use his other playmakers. Claypool, I thought, fought very hard. Pat Farmers, I thought, I thought fought very hard. Uh, Juju, when he was in the game, I thought fought very hard. And it was just like none of that mattered. He he looks like he has he has to see the field open. He can't anticipate. He can't uh, he can't you know predict what's going to happen. And that's slowing everything else down for this offense. Um, and in that way, they have regressed. You know, I, everyone's talking about the offensive line, the offensive line, the offensive line, and I'm like, yeah, okay, they're bad. There's no doubting that. But you knew they'd be bad for at least eight weeks here. You knew that they would stink and that they would need to come together and it would take time for uh, an offensive line with two rookies drafted in the middle round to come together. No one was surprised about that. But you had all offseason to prepare, you know, as a, as a quarterback and an offensive coordinator to say, hey, let's have a game plan that neutralizes this weakness as best mm-hmm. as we can and – it has not come to fruition yet. Chris, man, and that's, you know what, you just hit on something there. That's, like, that's part of the most frustrating thing of this for me. Like, all offseason, the talk was about, right, bringing in Matt Canada, moving this offense yep. forward, more play action, more pre-snap movement and motion, all that stuff. But, dude, like, like, this was the year the offense was supposed to take a step forward. You could almost argue that yeah. they look more archaic than ever right now. You know, you can, you can almost argue they do look more archaic than ever. You know, this is this is a couple steps above Kent Graham in the late nineties. Like, like this is, you know, like pe- people are like, man, this is the worst I've ever seen the Steelers' offense. I'm like, clearly you've never seen the Steelers' offense at its worst. Like that was that was the epitome of hopelessness back then. Yes. Um, but and so this ain't that bad. But it's but it's up there because I just I, there's no sense of rhythm. There's no sense of consistency. And, and like you said, you know, this was supposed to be that they took a step forward, that they made things right. And, again, you knew the offensive line wasn't going to be this run-blocking dominant force in the early weeks. You knew that they were going to have pass protection problems. So scheme around that. But what's so bizarre about this, and I'm waiting for the All-22 to confirm this because, I, I, you know, I'm watching it live from behind Phil Press Fox covering the game 
Uh, and, and as I'm watching these, these uh, route concepts play out, I'm seeing guys open. Now, you know, when you see it live, you might miss something. So I never, you know, I, I, I never try to say, oh, this is definitely there. This is definitely I'm like, okay, I saw this, but let's go back and look at the tape when we get the, the all-22 view. Right. If, if we get this all-22, Wes, and it looks like the Raiders game where I'm telling you there were several players running wide open over the middle field and Ben just didn't see him, it's going to further push this narrative that's not a, not a forced narrative, but it's a real narrative that Ben can't see anything on the field. And that's what's really alarming. If he's missing throws, all right, you know what? Maybe he'll get it, get it back. Maybe sure. he'll develop that rhythm with his receivers. But if he can't even see the field right now, and he's, 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 almost, he's about to turn 40, and he's going through all this stuff, that's a problem. That, that is the one thing that this offense cannot have. He has to be in rhythm and, an, and a well-oiled quarterback who at least like, hey, I know I can't make the 50-yard bomb, but I know how to outsmart this defense right. to get these easy yards here and there and give our offense a chance. He hasn't shown that, Wes. And so if I look at this All-22 film and I see those guys, and be like, well, this is, this is looking even worse than we thought. Buddy, uh, obviously a huge part of this equation is the offensive line, and my goodness, it, it feels like any waning optimism is gone now. Like, man, yeah. Chris, it, it's one thing to be inexperienced, which we know that they are, two rookies, four new starters. It, it's one thing to maybe be devoid of a little talent there, not a lot of first-round pedigree in that group. Yeah. But, man, when you combine those things – with them just being incredibly undisciplined the last two weeks, that's when you get the yeah. disaster that we've seen so far. I agree. I mean, that was the one thing that you could say about the Bills game is the offensive line on the road had no procedure penalties. Yep. They weren't pushing the team back. They, they weren't false starts. They weren't holes. They weren't legal seats. None of that was happening. And you couldn't question it, their it, effort at any point in that game, particularly in the second half. They, they refused to roll over and die. Right, right. They were going to fight you tooth and nail. By the end of that Bengals game, you know, Tyler Boyd said it. He's like, they gave up. And you don't see too many Steelers teams under Mike Tomlin give up. And that's where, that's where I'm like, man, something ain't right, especially in the offensive, the offensive locker room. Um, you know, and maybe it's, maybe it's that they, they, they know that they're, they're running out of shots here, and they, they're, maybe they're just mentally gassed because they're like, man, none of the stuff that we saw is working is working. Um, but, you know, at the, at the end of the day, you, you need to at least go out there and, you know, and, and hammer away at guys. You know, and, and like you said, even with the Raiders game, I, I felt like the offensive line was fighting to the end and they were doing what they could. Now, they needed to pick up Ben, ben Roethlisberger, but I am seeing a sense of, man, this game was playing really too fast for Kendrick Green. Even Kevin Johnson at times. I think, I, think I think a lot of this is, you know, everything's moving fast. Everything's putting pressure on, on, on these guys. Yeah. And one mistake and then you're unable to focus on the next play because you're still worried about that mistake you made. Uh, and then you're not, you know, you, get, you may get your hands on the guy, you may get to the right gap, but now you don't lock up on the guy because you're too worried about, oh, wait, did I just go to the wrong gap because I made this mistake last play? And that's when the mistakes start to cascade on each other. And that's why I think this offensive line is really going to West. They are not, um, they are not, so they're not playing at the level at least that allows them to see. But again, I thought that something might, like, like this might go down. The best way to negate this is to have a smart offense that's, hey, we're going we're gonna to use the quick passes when we can, and then we're going hit, to hit the shot plays over the middle once we base off of it. And, you know, Ben Roethlisberger, he was, he was doing the check down Charlie stuff, and, that was, and it was working a little bit. 
but you have to be able to do something other than that. And, you know, it's a two-step process. Like I said, sure, hit Najee Harris with 14 passes underneath and let him have the third most catches in, in Steelers history for a single game. Awesome. But when they start coming up, you have to be able to hit Friar Moose. You have to be able to hit Claypool, Juju, whoever's flying over the middle of the field behind him. You've got to be able to make defenses into a guessing game. And there is no guessing game with the Steelers' offense. It's all pretty predictable. Oh, it's so predictable. Maybe even more so than last year. And that was something that we thought was going to get moving in the right direction that you could argue has regressed as well, too, certainly. It's our buddy Chris Carter with us here on ESPN Pittsburgh, brought to you by the Fox Bet app. Make the call, download the app today. Chris, they just showed on NFL Network the the stat sheet from the game. And my goodness, to see it right in front of me, that Joe Burrow only threw the ball 18 times, and Ben Roethlisberger threw it 58. My goodness, Chris, can you come here to Green Tree and gouge my eyes out, please? (laughs) Here's the last one. Go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say, I'm in, I'm in the North Shore, so it actually wouldn't take me that long right now if you really want this to happen. How about this? I'll meet you on the West End Bridge. You bring the spoon. I'll bring my, I'll bring my eyeballs. Chris, last one that I want to ask you about, buddy. Um, I got to get your take on the, the, the fourth and ten, you know, the, the, the dump off the Najee there, throwing the ball behind the line of scrimmage. What I want to know from you, you know, there's been a lot of reaction, and I expected this. You know, Mike Tomlin in his postgame saying that, you know, we kind of fired all of our bullets in that scenario. Like, I don't believe that. I think Mike Tomlin is either um, covering for Ben or he's covering for Canada. It was either a horrible call by Canada or it was a horrible read by Ben. But what's your take on that whole situation? I think he's covering for Ben because here's the thing is that, you know, you're not married to Matt Canada the way that you're married to Ben. Hmm. You know, their legacies have been intertwined tightly for, you know, the, the, the almost two decades. And will continue to be um, for the rest of their lives. Exactly. When you say all the bullets are fired, that tells me it's like, man, as an offensive coordinator who calls the plane, he did not have the, anything left in the tank in a game that they were struggling to be like, hey, let's dial up something. But when I look at that play, that play, Wes, I mean, Chase Claypool was running towards the end zone. He was, you know, like I, I saw, you know, you have a fourth and 10 at the 11, and you know you need to get in either in the end zone or down to the one yard line. Or, you know, draw, draw a defensive pass interference, something. Ben Roethlisberger's first read was get it to Najee and let him go. And the whole Bengals, that, that might work on a, on a third and five at, on, on the, at midfield where the Bengals have to be worried about, you know, different parts of the field. But when they're all boxed up in the red zone like that, that ain't going to work. And so maybe it was the exact, maybe the call was, hey, Canada said, hey, just throw it to Najee no matter what. I highly doubt that. I, I highly doubt that. I, I have to feel like, you know what, Ben, I think he was resigned at that point, and he said, you know what, the only thing that's really working for me is getting to this guy. Let's see if he can do it again. And when he fed him, the Bengals were all over. I'm, I'm sorry. I, you know, I think Mike Tomlin was just – I think that was a cover to say, hey, you know what, ben, you know, ben went right to this read. We're not even going to get into it. We're not going to you know, start the drama. We're just going to say, hey, we were, we were out of gas there with, with, with calling the plays. And that was what dialed up and um, And that way you can kind of just go back into your film study room, you know, on Monday and just be like, all right, this is what we cannot have, have happen again. But I, I do think that was more of a more of a, a protect Ben thing that he said there than it was anything else. Because I'm, I'm sorry, I don't like when I saw that everyone. I'm like everyone else. I don't understand that play call. But Ben didn't have to throw it right away tonight. Right, he's got to wait. A, he's got to wait a second and a half there and at least look the secondary off. Right, and he didn't even try that, and that's not, that, that's why I think I think if, if anyone's bullets were all fired, I think Ben Roethlisberger's mind mm. was bent. I think he was 
I think he was tired. I think he was exhausted. I think he was tired of getting hit, and I think the game, the game was moving really fast for him as well. Um, and that's the problem here. If they can't slow things down for him, if he can't get back to anticipating where guys are going to be, anticipating where defenses are going to be, anticipating how to attack these guys, this team is going to struggle. And there's going to have to be serious questions asked if they can even win with him playing like that. But as what I tell people, the Steelers have turned things around before. You know, I said this on the final word last night for Channel 11. Um, you know, Mike Tomlin once said nobody's walking. You know, Casey Hampton's not walking through that door when the red run defense was struggling in 2013. They were two and six that season. They finished six and two to finish eight and eight on the season. And that team, I think, had a lot more problems than this team does right now because this team has a much better defense than that one did. So I will say that I, I that it, it is not out of range that they could find find some answers to make things look more acceptable on offense and they can get healthy on defense and that be the solution. But man, a big part of this has to be Ben Roethlisberger getting his head on straight. Yeah, you know what? It's funny. I, I kind of wanted to ask you, like, you just answered it, though. I, I guess my follow-up was going to be, like, is the way back from this just hope that you get healthier on defense and you get Najee more involved in the game plan, but you just kind of answered that as you always do beautifully, Mr. Carter. <laughs> Chris Carter, WPXI, Locked On Steelers podcast, SNR, all over the place. One of my favorite guys to chat football with in this town. Buddy, I really appreciate the time as always. Thank you. Same here, Wes. Always a great time. There's my. Christopher Carter, good friend of the show, good friend in real life. Great stuff from him as always. Make sure you show him CC some love and everything that he's doing. Subscribe to the Locked On Steelers podcast. Uh, make sure you're following him on Twitter at Carter Critiques as well. Wesley Euler with you here. It is the Steelers Blitz on SNR. No mozi today if you're just joining us. Uh, that was my conversation with Chris Carter. No Arthur Motes today, so you know the drill. I'll have some guests. We'll play some audio. We'll get to your tweets, all that good stuff that we do here when I'm flying solo. I did want to play for you guys here as well, uh, or I should say play for you guys in this first segment. Charlie Batch, of course, that's a name that we all know. Uh, you hear him on the postgame show. You see him doing all kinds of Steelers stuff around town. Charlie Batch had some time to catch up with the DVE morning show Really interesting evaluation, you know, from from Charlie's quarterback mind, quarterback eyes. What's going on with the offense? What's going on with Ben Roethlisberger? Randy Bauman and the DVE Morning Show on your radio home of the Pittsburgh Steelers, 102.5 DVE. Charlie Batch from the Pittsburgh Steelers Radio Network postgame joining us right now. What's up, Chuck? Not much. What's going on, fellas? Charlie, let me ask you something. Which of the following statements are true? A, Ben Roethlisberger is washed up. B, Matt Canada is out of his depth as the offensive coordinator. C, Mike Tomlin does not know how to run a coaching staff. D, none of the above. Oh, man. Um. <laughs> oh, you had to think about it. You had to think about it. It's almost like I would go with D because I would say A and B requires, but C doesn't necessarily reflect to this particular comment. So that's kind of where I'm going with it. But I just think, you know, obviously where we're at in the state of, of especially the running game is nowhere near where we expected it no. to be. And that's the frustrating part about this, especially when our Rooney came out this offseason saying this is a point of emphasis. So to now be dead last again, struggles with the offensive line and you cannot score points. I don't care what defense you put out there. We're not going to be able to compete with people. No. All right. So uh, can it be said? 
that for as much as we praise Kevin Colbert for all the great things he does, bringing Schobert in, Melvin Ingram, Minka a couple of years ago, I mean, making monster moves, they grossly overestimated the talent level and ability of this offensive line. Or do you think, like they apparently do, in a very pirate-like statement, that these guys will be good enough eventually? Well, I think they, they took that approach that they'll be good eventually, and uh, you know, but the offensive line is just not a plug-and-play position. Years ago, probably three or four years ago, they invested heavily in that offensive line, and they were one of the best, and that's why the offense was clicking. Then, obviously, as the offensive line started aging, they weren't able to now develop these younger guys, or at least the ones that they did develop, left from free agency. Um, so it's just tough to really now just put, uh, put the, plug those guys in. And the frustrating part is, the projected offensive line that we thought that was going to head into the Buffalo game, those guys didn't even start practicing together until hmm. three days before the Detroit Lions game. And then we all got uh, hit with a curveball when Zach Banner went on injured reserve. So right. that now that really messed everything up. So that communication that has to happen up front, it's just not translating right now because these guys can't practice because there's not enough practice time to allow these guys to continue to develop at this stage of the season and where we're at. How do you get that cohesion built, uh, Charlie, outside of practice in in season? I mean, are you taking these guys out to dinner as the quarterback? What are you doing to, to communicate to the line that the play is unacceptable and needs to step up from this point forward? Yeah, you can have meeting after meeting, and those things obviously you're talking about from the, ne from the neck up. Physically, you have to go out there and actually work together, whether that's a double team, understanding kind of what the next person is doing just by looking at each other without having to communicate that. And that's what happens at that offensive line. And what we're seeing right now is if you have five plays that are going on, each individual lineman is making a mistake. And guess what? That's five negative plays right now. So that, those are the things that are showing up that is showing up too consistently right now in that offensive line. And now here we are. We don't know the, the status of Kendrick Green and whether he's going to play this week. We don't know what's happening with Chooks as he's entering into concussion protocol. So there's going to be potential two new guys up front. So I just don't see how this gets better this particular week. Is Adrian Clem up to this? Everyone's been talking about Matt Canada and whether he should be, get fired. But is Adrian Clem up to this task? Because all of those hurdles you just pointed out right now, That'd be hard for a veteran offensive line coach, you know, whether it was mm -hmm. uh, Surratt or uh, who did we lose to Denver? Oh, um, Munchak. Munchak, yeah. I mean, either one of those would have difficulties with this line. Is Clem the right guy? Well, I mean, he has the resume for sure, but I think any time that, and at least it's just been with Tomlin's position, any time you had a young, a young coach that came in, there was always a veteran presence in that room to help that young coach develop. And I only say that because even when Randy Feekner came over from receivers coach to quarterback coach, we, we had myself, Byron Leftwich, and Ben Roethlisberger in the room. So we were able to work with him as he worked with a, a young Dennis Dixon. Now you take that out, you lose all of those veteran uh, offensive linemen, and now here you are with a young coach with a young group, and that's just not a, a recipe for success at this point. So, yeah, the finger should be directly pointed to Adrian Clem because he's the guy leading the charge. It doesn't necessarily reflect to Matt Canada initially because it starts with your individual position coach, and right now that's why you're starting to hear and uh, his name mentioned a lot more negatively right now because he's a busy offensive line coach. Have you ever heard a coach say they ran out of plays? I've never heard that. I've never Does heard Mike that. Does Mike Tomlin believe that? I, I think he was trying to save face in that particular manner, but without really, you know, throwing Matt 
Canada under the bus, but that right there is unheard of because you can't sit back and say, I've ran out of plays. I don't care if you ran a play three, four times throughout the course of the game. Give me right. a different formation. Yes. Give me a different formation. Give me a motion and make it look like it could potentially be something else, but at least attempt to throw the football down the field or at least in the end zone in this particular case. That didn't happen. There's no way of heck. I don't care if you had Gail Sayers. Walter Payton, Barry Sanders, <laughs> there was nobody that was going to right. catch that swing route and, and make eight defenders miss to get to the end zone. Just no, wasn't going to happen. Not unless he was doing some crouching tiger, hidden dragon stuff where he just started running on everybody's shoulder pads. But put yourself behind center for one second, Charlie. That play gets called on fourth and ten. What are you doing? Are, are you running that play or are you opting out? Well, I would like to opt out, but that just lets me know that Ben Roethlisberger doesn't have the ability to audible out of a bad play. Yes. Because because what the, you look at that, everybody knew, okay, my only option is this swing route at this point. They showed a blitz. They fell out of it. But Ben's been around long enough to know, we want to know what this particular play is not going to make it to the end zone. Give me anything else in the playbook that allows Ben to audibleize out of it. He doesn't have that flexibility right now, and that's something right that I believe strongly uh, holds is on the shoulders of Matt Canada in this particular perspective because right now these two guys are butting egos at the top. Matt, because he's the offensive coordinator, he needs to now allow Ben Roethlisberger the flexibility to do what he wants to do at the line of scrimmage. See, and so many Steeler fans think Ben has just been doing what he's wanted to do at the line of scrimmage up to this point, that it's been Ben being unable to run Matt Canada's offense. Correct. Just think about the comments that were made last week from Ben. He says, well, I don't have the f- no flexibility and no huddle like I did in years past. Okay, that lets me know, okay, these things are starting to happen already because when it seems like when the game, when Ben up-tempos and that no huddle, all of a sudden when they start to have success, typically coordinators try to start calling plays so they get credit for the success of the play. That's what you're seeing right now, and that's why I say the budding of the heads is happening. These two guys have to have a conversation. It's not necessarily Ben Roethlisberger. It's Matt Canada saying, you want to know what? I'll give you that flexibility because you understand why I'm putting game plans together. So in that particular sense, yes, go out there and make these plays happen because when you win, we're not talking about who gets the credit. Now as they're losing, now you're sitting there finger pointing to say whose fault is it, who's calling the plays, and this is just something we haven't seen in years. Charlie Batch bringing it to you this morning on the DVE Morning Show. Good stuff, Chuck. Thanks so much. Charlie, hey, I appreciate it. Part of Thanks the for having me. Pittsburgh Steelers Radio Network. You can hear him along Stan Saverin, alongside Stan Saverin on the post game for this Sunday Steelers Packers game, 425 kickoff here on DV. Boy, that ain't going to be an easy one, Chuck. Great stuff there, as always. The DVE Morning Show. Love those guys. And Val, right? I feel like I always say love those guys, but Val might be my favorite. So I love those guys and girl. Although I do believe Val was off when that interview was recorded. I'm not sure. They've been taking some time off lately, some of them. But the DVE Morning Show, great stuff as always. Charlie Batch with them. Um, Talking about the good, the bad, and the ugly. Everything going on with the offense, with the quarterback, and so on. It's the Steelers Blitz here on SNR, your 24-7 home of the black and gold. Wesley Euler with you riding solo on this Wednesday. We're going to take our first break of the show. When we come back, plenty to get to. Got a bunch of tweets from you guys already. We'll get to some of those. You can tweet me your questions, comments, concerns, and reactions at Wesley Euler. will also, it's Wednesday, that means it's Ben's Day, uh, just moments ago, just about an hour or so ago, Ben Roethlisberger speaking to the media, and you'll want to hear what he has to say about his health, about this offense, about some of the play calls and the decisions 
that were made on Sunday. A bunch of good stuff from Ben Roethlisberger. We'll hear and we'll discuss that when we return on the other side. It's the Steelers Blitz on SNR.